So today is the Solemnity of Christ the King. It's the last day of the liturgical year for the church. Next week is Advent already. So in 1925, Pope Pius XI instituted this solemnity when the atheism of the Nazis and communists surged forth and threatened the Christian world at that time. So the church decided to fight against these ideologies by emphasizing the sovereignty of Jesus Christ and his final triumph over evil and injustice. Since that crucial moment in the history of the world, the, the church has closed each liturgical year with this great feast dedicated to Christ the King. So today in our first reading, it's from the book of Daniel. And we see that Daniel recounts visions that he has been having. In one particular vision, all peoples, nations, and languages serve him, with him being God. This is a vision of what can be, not a vision of what is. Only by seeking the Lord faithfully will the world ever be that way. At the end of time, this is what will be. So in the second reading, it comes from the book of Revelation. We are given a prophecy that at the end of time, everyone will see the Lord Jesus, even those who have pierced him. That is to say that even though those of us who have wounded Christ with our sins will see him in the end. This is not a prophecy of universal salvation, but a prophecy that at the end, each of us will see the Lord. This is the judgment that is to come. So the most familiar prayer that we have learned or been taught is the same very prayer Jesus taught to his disciples, the Lord's Prayer. In the first part of the prayer, we address God as Father, and we affirm his holy name, and then we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So what's the intent of that sentence? So we're pleading with God to act, to enter into our presence at this very moment, and to bring about his reign. It hopes for the day when God would end war, bring good news to the poor, bind the brokenhearted, bring justice to the oppressed, comfort the mourning, and gather all the nations together to worship him. The Lord's Prayer seems to be guiding us through an ideal world that is far different from reality. In reality, we still see wars being fought, the poor and brokenhearted still suffering, and that we are still captives of sin and death. We live in a society that sees God as not needed or is indifferent to his existence. Even though our society may see our Lord this way, our church has always and continues to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and King. The church proclaims with confidence that our Lord reigns as King of the universe, and therefore, Death is defeated, sin is being subdued, the hearts of the broken are being healed, justice is coming to the poor and oppressed, and those who mourn 
are being comforted in. Today's gospel reminds us that the kingdom of God is not of this world and can only be recognized by those who do not belong to this world. In the gospel, we see the encounter between our Lord and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Now think about this. The governor of the world's greatest empire at that time stands in judgment over the king of the universe, the supreme one who will judge the world and confer eternal life or death on each individual, including Pilate himself. The Jewish leaders had already questioned Jesus at a trial that was conducted in the darkness of night. They found him guilty of blasphemy and sentenced him to death. But the problem there is that the Jewish leaders are not able to execute criminals found guilty in their courts because the death penalty was the sole responsibility of the Roman authorities. So the Jewish leaders brought our Lord before Pilate. And Pilate begins to question by asking the Lord, are you the king of the Jews? By replying to Pilate with a question, do you say this on your own? Jesus is not refusing to answer Pilate. He wants to make it quite clear that his mission is a spiritual one. Pilate then asks his second question, what have you done? And our Lord answered him, mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. There is another particular time that, that Jesus refused the title of king, and that is after the miracle of, of the multiplication of the loaves. Our Lord resisted the crowd's insistence to proclaim him king. But why? Because the people were thinking in terms of an earthly kingdom. And now, Jesus acknowledges before Pilate that he's truly a king, while making it clear that his kingship is beyond this world. Then Pilate proceeded to ask him the third and final question. So you are a king then? To which our Lord answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. For the word truth is being used to, to uh, refer to divine revelation. Jesus declares, I am the truth because he is the revelation of Father. Jesus bears witness to the truth that he is from God the Father, sent to serve and save mankind by his words and actions and by gathering about him those who freely respond. His greatest act of witness to the truth will be fulfilled later in the gospel when he is crucified on the cross. By his death and resurrection, our Lord shows that the accusations laid against him were false. It was he who was telling the truth, not his judges and accusers. And God confirms the truth of Jesus, the truth of his words, of his deeds, and of his revelations by the single miracle 
of his resurrection. To men, Christ's kingship is the supreme paradox. Yet, he lives forever. He is defeated and is crucified. Yet, he is victorious. We can never make the kingdom of God a reality in the world unless first, it is a reality in our own lives and more importantly, in our own hearts. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is within you. A little story. There's a little girl who was standing with her grandfather by an old well, old-fashioned open well. They had just lowered a bucket and had drawn some water to drink. And she asked her grandfather, Grandpa, where does God live? The old man picked up the little girl and held her over the open well. Look down into the water, he said, and tell me what you see. Grandpa, I see myself. Grandpa responded, and that's where God lives. He lives in you. So how do we bring the kingdom of God to live within us? Praying. We must communicate with God who dwells within our soul. A little prayer story. So many of you know that I converted to Catholicism about 20 years ago. But before I was Catholic, I really didn't practice any religion. I, I knew there was God, but never really done anything with it. I would think about God maybe once a week. You see, I used to drink. I used to drink a lot. And every Sunday morning, I would wake up and say, Oh God, please help. I'm never doing that again. Well, at that time, I knew it was in jest. Or was it? Was God really listening to me? Well, looking back on 26 years of sobriety, God did help me. He answered a prayer that I really didn't even know I was praying for. So we need to spend time in prayer. If your prayer life is minimal, like mine was many, many years ago, start with thanking God. Thank God every morning when you wake up. You can also start with the Our Father. The point is, we need to spend time with God in order to find the kingdom of God within. Love and forgiveness. The kingdom of God is based on love and on forgiveness. For us to find it within ourselves, we must first love and forgive ourselves. Usually, it is easier to forgive others than it is to forgive ourselves. If we forgive someone else, there's a certain amount of credit we claim from that person. For us to agree to be loved and forgiven in our current culture of personal independence is very, very hard. Encountering Jesus forces us to make a decision between believing or not believing in him. There is no neutral position. In today's scripture reading, Pilate's torn between the pressures of the people and what he knows is right in his heart. He tries desperately to avoid making his decision about Jesus, even as some of us do today. But Jesus challenged Pilate, and he is challenging us to recognize him. 
He is in our midst, proclaiming the kingdom of God is close at hand, urging us to be watchful and ready. The kingdom of God has no boundaries. It is present wherever people love one another or share one another's burdens or work to build up a just and peaceful community. Whenever people are humble of heart and open to God and serving their neighbor, whether we ourselves are in his kingdom is determined in large measure by our response to our neighbor's needs. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, welcoming a stranger, or caring for the sick. Jesus Christ is king. If we allow Christ to be our king, he will give us the power, the privilege, the position and possessions as if we were royalty. He gives us power, not the power to defeat our opponents or to control or manipulate the stock market, but the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us privilege, not for special invitations to royal receptions, but the privilege to be God, called God's children and brothers and sisters. He gives us position, not the position of chairman of the board or a life of ease, but the position that comes with the promise of a permanent place in his kingdom. He grants us the gift of possession, not a pocket full of money or unlimited charge accounts, but rather a relationship with him through, through which we discover what truly is worth possessing. Jesus does not teach that the kingdom will come in the manner of an army sweeping over the land. He instead compares it to the power of life contained in a seed. We are called to be the seed. To proclaim the kingdom of God has already come in Jesus Christ. We are to be a model, a sign to the world of the reality of the kingdom of God so that people inside and outside our community might know that God is in our midst. When we pray in the Our Father, thy kingdom come, we are calling for God's power and presence right now in our daily lives and indicating our willingness to be part of his kingdom and to work for its establishment on earth. He is in rule over all creation. The question is, is he my king? Is he the leader in my life? I'd like to end with a prayer. This prayer comes from St. Padre Pio. My past, O Lord, to your mercy, my present to your love, and my future to your providence. May Christ our King, lost my last page. May Christ our King be the King of our past, our present, and our future. May all areas of our lives be subjected to Christ our Lord and our King.